What's going on, everyone? <laughs> oh, I, I see, I see. Like, so at Itaewon, when I say what's going on, you know, everyone kind of answers. Now, I know that's an awkward question for a crowd. You know, it's like nothing much. Like, what? <laughs> But if you're feeling good and you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, say, I feel good. Turn to your neighbor right now. Tell them I feel good. I'm glad to be preaching here today. I want to give a shout out real quick to New Philly, Sydney, uh, New Philly, Sydney. That one right there. That's where I need to point. Okay, New Philly, Sydney. And then also, of course, I got to show my love to Itaewon. Itaewon, where you at? Itaewon. Itaewon. <laughs> I can't hear you, but I know you're cheering. So I have a word from the Lord for you today. And I'm really excited, really glad to preach this word today. I want to talk to you on the topic, the next stage, the next stage, the next stage. See, as I was in prayer and I, I found out that I was going to be preaching the last message of the year, no pressure. You know, as I found out I was going to be preaching the last message of the year of wisdom of all years, I had to go to the prayer closet. You know, I had to get on my face, not on my knees, on my face before God. And I was praying and praying and I was like, God, what do you want to say? And as I was in prayer for today and I was going back and forth and I was praying about different things, all of a sudden I heard the voice of the Lord resound in my ears. And here's what he said. He said, Marcus, it's time for you to grow up. So wait, 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 wait. God, I'm a grown man. I am 29 years old. Whew, 29. Whew. I'm a grown man, God. And he said, no, no, Marcus, it's time for you to step into the next stage of your life. And then as I begin to meditate on it, I begin to realize that that wasn't just a word for me, but it's a word for our entire house. That it's time for us as New Philadelphia Church, and whether you're new or, or whether it's your first time here, you will receive today. It's time for us to step into the next stage. You know, there's so many things that are happening in our community right now that are so huge, so big that even on the surface, it looks like it's a small thing. But in reality, it's a huge thing. You know, we are registering as an independent church through KaiCam, right? Our application got sent in a few days ago. We went through the process. We drafted our bylaws. Before that, I was like, what is a bylaw? Like, who needs bylaws? We get along just fine. Why do we need bylaws? We drafted our constitution, our articles of association, and we signed on to that and we passed it through. Right. And this KaiCam application is huge because we go independent and we have our own bank accounts, bank accounts in our church's name. Not only that, but then we're praying into the 2020, our building fund that we would move into an interim space, move into the Antioch Center. Not only that, but then Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron, y'all, if you don't know, they're pregnant. And there's so many things that are starting. And then as I begin to realize these things, I realized that the steps that we are taking as a community mimic the steps that you should take when you come into adulthood. Because when you become an adult, the first thing you got to do is you got to start becoming independent. 
then the next thing you got to do is you need to get a bank account in your own name. You can't be withdrawing from your parents' bank account. Right? You need a bank account that says Marcus Corpening on it. You need a bank account that says Brady Miller. You need a bank account that says Lisa Kim. You need a bank account with your own name. And not only that, but at some point, church, you got to move out. Some of y'all right now thinking like, I still live with my mom. (laughs) This is a word for you. At some point, you got to move out. And so God is doing something in our community where he's taking us as a church and he's bringing us into maturity. But what God does corporately, he also has to do individually. Because if God does something corporately, but he doesn't do it individually in your life, the house will move, but you won't. And all of a sudden, the community is moving in a certain direction and you're coming out every Sunday and you're wondering, why do I feel so disconnected? Why do I feel like this isn't the place for me? When God says this is the place for you, it's just time for you to start to move forward. We see this in the Bible. We see this in the Bible that that God calls men and women to begin to mature in their life stages to begin to move forward to no longer just be children in their faith but to be mature in their thinking we see this in the life of we see this in the life of joseph right joseph gets a dream and joseph gets an amazing dream i I shouldn't move move around too much but joseph gets a dream and he tells his parents and all of a sudden he gets sold into slavery we know that was foolishness But it sets him up to become prime minister. And what we see is that what Joseph received as a child, he didn't he could not steward as a child. He could only steward when he became an adult. That when he became an adult, that was when he was ready to be prime minister. We see in the life of David, David as a shepherd boy, right? He kills Goliath. He's got a slingshot. He kills Goliath. He gets anointed to be king of Israel. He receives the kingdom as a child, but it isn't until David is an adult that he's actually becomes he becomes king. Why is that? Because as a child, you can receive certain things from God, but it's only until you mature into an adult that you can actually steward it. See, Jesus says that you can enter the kingdom as a little child. But you don't start to steward the kingdom until you become an adult. You hearing what I'm saying today, church? See, as I heard this from the Lord, though, let me be honest. It scared me to death. Because it was like, I'm still young. You know, I'm hip. I got the hipster clothes. You know, I, I still listen to hip hop music, Christian hip hop music. <laughs> but God began to say, Marcus, it's time for you to cast off the insecurity, the doubt and the foolishness of adolescence and begin to start stepping into maturity. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to first Corinthians chapter 13. That's going to be our text for today. First Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to read from verses eight to 12, but we're going to focus on one verse today. Verse 11.
First Corinthians chapter 13. Verses 8 to 12. I'm going to read it. How about we actually all read it all together? First Corinthians 13, 8 to 12 at all the campuses. Let's read it all together. One, two, three. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Bow your heads. Let me say a quick word of prayer for us. Father, I thank you for your word. Sanctify us by your word, for your word is truth. God, we pray that today as the word goes out to Sydney, to Itaewon, and here at Home Day, God, that you would move to push us forward. Push us forward into the next stage. Push us forward into the next season. God, we want to run with you and steward all that you've set apart for us. So, God, I pray for every heart, every mind to be open in this place today. I break off, God, all apathy. I break off all fear. And I pray for your your wisdom, your counsel, your might to show up today. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in this passage, we see that this is the closing verses in the chapter on love, right? This chapter on love. And we see here at the end that Paul's talking about, he's essentially talking about what will happen when we see Jesus. What will happen when we are in heaven? That when we are in heaven, there will be no need for prophecy, right? Because the prophetic will have been fulfilled right in front of us. There will be no need for tongues. Why would you need mysteries in tongues when Jesus is right there? Like you, there, all those things will pass away. But then he speaks and he, he injects something into, into this passage. And he injects it right into verse 11, all, out of nowhere almost. And he says, when I was a child... I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now, Paul's using this as a metaphor to speak about what will happen at the end of all things. What will happen when we stand before Jesus face to face? He's using this as a metaphor, but oh my goodness, we don't even need to look at it metaphorically. We see that there is a lot of truth just in this verse. Because he says, when I was a child, I used to do childish things. But when I became a man, I had to let it go. Let it go. (laughs) See, there's something about that. I read a New York Times article that talks about how today in our age, there's something called prolonged adolescence. (laughs) Conviction went like real strong. (laughs) Prolonged adolescence. Mm, Oh. Oh, it's me. It's me. Oh. <laughs> well, it's saying that the things that characterize milestones in a person's life, completing school, leaving home, becoming financially independent and starting to think and live generationally, that our generation is putting it off. 
We are, we are masters at procrastinating in maturation. And so people get married later. People want to have children later. People want to move out later. You know, people, you know, it's just everything's later. But Paul's saying here, actually, when you become a man, it's time for you. And when I say man here, I'm talking about just maturation in general. When you hit a place of maturity, it's time for you to let go of the childish ways. Why is that? It's like I said earlier, it's because a child may receive something, but they're unable to steward it. See, God may give you the kingdom. God may give you salvation. God may give you his Holy Spirit. God may pour out blessing and favor and honor into your life. But if you are constantly still living like a child, it will just fall through your fingertips. But it's when you become an adult that you begin to learn how to steward it. You know, God's been teaching me that I need to mature in the area of finances. Because for most of my life, I steward my finances like a child. Every day, every payday is like Christmas Day. <laughs> like, what new shoes just came out? What new, what new gear can I get? When I say gear, I mean clothes. What kind, like, and, and I would just, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, miraculously, at the, like, not even at the end of the month, halfway through the month, I would be broke. And it would always be a surprise to me. <laughs> it's like a kid when you get your allowance and all of a sudden you spend it all and you're surprised at how quickly you were broke. That was like the first 28 years of my life. But Paul, he talks right here and he, he identifies three ways, three areas where he, he lived like a child. But then as he became mature, he had to let it go. And so I'm going to go through those. The first, he says in verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. The first thing, the first area, if you want to step into the next stage, the first thing we have to change is our speech. And here's the thing. See, a child it speaks differently than a mature adult in two ways. The first is communication and the second is content. The first communication. Have you ever been around a baby? Right. Yesterday was uh, Pastor John and Pastor Anita. Pastor John's our executive director of worship here at New Philly. And he has they have a beautiful, lovely half Mennonite, half Korean daughter, Olivia. Like she looks like a porcelain doll. She's beautiful. And her first birthday was yesterday now it was awesome being there but part of it for me was confusing because i was like you're a baby she has no idea what's going on but we're all like around her like happy birthday <laughs> she's like wondering why is everyone screaming at me but anyways we were there at her birthday and as i'm watching olivia it, it made me think about when olivia was first born and watching pastor john and anita with olivia because you know with a baby whenever olivia would something would go wrong olivia would cry Right. And I would sit there as one of John's closest friends and I would watch them and I would thank God that I don't have children. <laughs> because what they would do was that every time she would cry, it was a guessing game as to what was actually going on. 
So they pick her up, smell her butt. No, she didn't poo. Then they put a bottle in her mouth. No, she's not hungry. They'd rock her to try to put her asleep. No, she didn't want to go to sleep. And they're going back and forth, back and forth until it's like, oh, she actually wants this. And they would spend this guessing game trying to figure out what was actually wrong with her. Why? Because Olivia's a baby and she had not learned how to develop means to communicate her needs. But the interesting thing is that so many Christians are like that. When stuff goes wrong, we cry and we whine and we complain and we do all these things. And and our spiritual leaders are trying to figure out what's wrong. You walk up and like something's wrong. I need help. You're in a bad mood. We can tell that something's wrong because you got the stank face, but you can't communicate what's actually wrong. And so we're sitting there. We're we're trying to pray for you, prophesy, break something off, give you a hug, tell you you're wonderful, and none of that works. And when at the end of the day, all you really needed was maybe a hug. And you know what that ends up with? Frustration. Not just for the leader, but a lot of times for you. And more than just a spiritual leader, most of us struggle with that in terms of our relationship with God. Because we have all this frustration with God. All this frustration because God, why haven't you brought this into my life? Why haven't you made this happen? Why hasn't this happened? Why haven't I stepped into this thing? And God's looking at you saying, why don't you learn to communicate what you need? Many of us are frustrated with God about things that we haven't even prayed about. When the Bible says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who will knock, the door will be open. I want to read this quote by his pastor in California. He says, if you cannot communicate your needs to another person clearly, it is obviously going to be very difficult for that person to meet them. That's why one of the primary tasks of reaching maturity is learning how to express thoughts, feelings, and needs. Those who never learn this skill, however, expect relationships to function without it. Where does this desire or expectation that loved ones have a telepathic ability to know our feelings and needs come from? It comes from powerlessness and fear. It comes from dreaming that everything will turn out magically without actually having to communicate. You know, for many of you, breakthrough would happen in your spiritual walk if you would just tell God what you're going through. If you would just tell him what you need, tell him even what you want. You're like, well, God's omniscient. He knows. He knows everything. He knows what I need before I even ask. We sung that. That's true. But God doesn't want to just simply relate to you as children. But he wants to relate to you as friends. He wants to relate to you in maturity. The second way is content. Because you can't just learn how to communicate what you say. The content has to be adequate as well. You know, I think back when I was a teenager and many of you guys know my testimony. I, I became a Christian late in life. I became a Christian when I was 21. And then before that, I was a rapper. I know you can't see it, right? It doesn't look at the glasses, the sweater vest. I mean, really, uh, 
But I was thinking back, and I remember that one of the first times I met Pastor Christian, <laughs> I had a few of my MP3s, and my ex-girlfriend at the time was telling PC, he's a, he's a rapper, you know? And she's like, listen to his music. And so I hand him my iPod, and it's got all my songs on it with F-bomb this, S that, all these curse words all on it. He's listening to it like, He, and he's, he's like, this is all right. And he's thinking, this boy needs Jesus. <laughs> I think about when I was a kid, you know, you ever been around teenagers? Cussing like crazy. Gossip. Slander. You know, in, in, in high school, all the girls sit around the lunchroom table and they just gossip about everyone there. You know, so-and-so's with so-and-so, right? So-and-so likes so-and-so. Somebody likes so-and-so. And, or crude joking. Joking about certain things that we shouldn't. Causing strife with our speech. See, the content of your speech matters because if you don't, because God wants to entrust you with greater influence. But he can't if the content of your speech has not matured to a point. God may want to entrust you with greater with greater power. But if your speech. Is immature. You'll find yourself saying things in the place of influence. That'll cause you to lose your influence. First Corinthians three, one to four says, I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh as infants in Christ. He said, for while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul and another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not behaving in a human way? Saying when you talk, oh, well, I'm really for this person. I'm really for this person. What you're doing is you're actually behaving as a child. I used to do that as a kid. You know, when the children pit their parents against one another. But the funny thing is, is many of us do that when we get older. First Timothy five, three says that besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Ephesians four, twenty nine says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. If you want to step into the next stage, you got to also make it a commitment to change the way you speak. See, God doesn't want you to use your tongue to distract or tear down, but to build up. He wants you to use your tongue to give a word in season to those who are weary. He wants your words to wash people clean, to establish them in sonship for your words, not to be words of discouragement, but words of faith. And maybe not just your words about other people, but what about the words that you speak over yourself? See, as you mature in faith, God wants your words over yourself, not to be words of death, but words of life. Because if you can start learning how to speak words of life over yourself, God will entrust you other people to speak those words of life over. Imagine how much the house of God, the culture changes when people live like that. The second way Paul says, he says that I didn't just. Speak like I spoke like a child, but he said, when I was a child, I also thought like a child. 
and there's two different there's two ways that differentiate childish thinking and mature thinking. A child thinks in terms of consuming. But a mature person thinks in terms of covenant. A child thinks in terms of consuming, but a mature adult thinks in terms of covenant. And what do I mean when I say covenant? I'm talking about thinking generationally. Thinking in terms of those who are to come rather than just on how things will affect you. You know, I grew up in a single parent household and I told you guys I'm 29, right? I'm 29. My mom, when my mom was my age, she had she had already had three kids. My mom was raising three kids at my age. That is scary. <laughs> when my mom was 20, 29, I was already in elementary school. My brother was in preschool and my little sister was in daycare. And my mom was working full time to provide for us. And then she would come home and help us do our homework, cook our dinner and put us to bed. Give my mom a clap offering. It's kind of a rhetorical statement, but thank you. And so I thought about that and I was like, God, could I do that? In fact, yesterday at Olivia's birthday party, somebody was carrying Olivia and then someone walked up to me and said, oh, that's going to be you. And I was like, oh, no, it won't. I was like, oh, They're like, I love you, Olivia, but here, someone else take her. And then as soon as I, and God was like, oh. Wow, you got too many things that you need to accomplish before you can think of someone else. <laughs> I remember my mom had me when she was 19. When she was 19, her life changed. She no longer lived for herself anymore. She lived for me. You know, puberty, right? It's a weird transition. Keep going. (laughs) You know, puberty, according to psychologists... Puberty, according to psychologists, is just essentially when a time when a person's body matures to a point to enable reproduction. Right. When a person's body matures to enable them to have kids. But the problem is, is that while a person physically may mature to a point where they can have kids, many times we don't mentally mature to a place where we're willing to take responsibility for what we're capable of. And the, the interesting thing is that in the body of Christ, many people are like that as well. We want to be capable to heal the sick. We want to be capable to disciple. We, don't, we want to be capable to experience God's presence, to be intimate with him, to enjoy him, to be all close with him. But then we don't want to be responsible for the product. So into his house, I don't really want to do that. But I want to come in and consume. Serve. What will you give to me? What will I get out of it? What will, how will it benefit me? How will it touch me? How will, and that is a child's mindset. The first, one of the first words a kid learns is mine. Meaning that their lives are primarily all about consumption until they get to a point where they decide that they're going to start thinking generationally. 
when they decide that they don't want to just be capable to enjoy certain things, but they also want to be responsible for it as well. You know, in Luke chapter 15, we see the story of the prodigal son. And we see the younger brother, right? He goes to his father and he says, give me my inheritance that I may go and enjoy it. And he goes out and he squanders it all on wild living. But then we see on the opposite in the older brother, when the brother is restored, he's in there. He's he's building the house. He's serving. But then he gets mad at the father and he says, hey, I've been in your house serving like a slave all this time. And you have never given me a fattened calf that I may enjoy it with my friends. And I've heard many people say that the issue with them was totally different. But the primary issue with both of the sons was the same. Both of them had a consumer mindset. See, one wanted the inheritance immediately to enjoy it for themselves. God, just give me mine that I may enjoy it. And he wasn't thinking about generations. But the other one had the exact same mindset. He said, how much can I serve to where God, you will give me what I want? Meaning that he put a price On the inheritance, meaning that he was just trying to extort the father for what he could get so he could enjoy it with his friends. Both of those mindsets are consumer mindsets. Whereas the father's mindset was a covenant one. All that I have is yours. Everything that I've done is for you and for your children. See, God wants to entrust you more. But the question he's asking, is it just for you or is it for those to come? Is the influence just for you or is it for your children? Is it just for you? Is it just for your enjoyment? And many of us say, well, what about me? What about me, God? What about me? And what we don't understand is that God oftentimes reserves his greatest blessings for those who will dare to think covenantally. Those who will think generationally, those are the people that God says, I can trust with greater. Because I know they won't just selfishly use it on themselves. That's why you don't give a kid. That's why you don't give a little baby a thousand dollars. You don't give a baby a whole bunch of money. Why? They're going to kill themselves buying so much candy. We understand that if you give a child too much, it'll actually corrupt them and ruin them. For some of you, you're wondering why God hasn't entrusted you with something. And it's because he doesn't want to ruin you. But he's saying, if you'll think about those who will come after you, if you'll think about your children, if you'll think about the generations who will worship in this house after you do. Then I can entrust you with more. We see it all throughout the Bible. We see it in Acts chapter 2. God pours out his Holy Spirit, right? And they're in the upper room and they're praying in tongues, tongues of fire. They're shika, misabishi, galant. You know, they're just doing all these prayers. And they receive the Holy Spirit. They're in there doing the Harlem Shake. They're just in there, right? You see Peter up in there and they're just, uh. And many of us, we point to Acts chapter 2 and say, man, look at Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts chapter 2. But interestingly enough is that Peter, they receive the Holy Spirit. And then they don't just stay in the upper room and just have a prayer meeting. Like, man, this is so good. Ooh, Holy Spirit, I love you. Oh, man, Jesus, this is so good. This is the best church ever. First church. What does he do? 
He steps out and he preaches. And then at the end of the sermon, they say, what can we do? How can we do it? And he says, repent and believe. And then he tells them, because you will then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive what we just received, but the gift will not just be for you, but it'll be for your children. And for all of those who are far off, see, Peter's talking in terms of generations. And it says 3,000 of them were saved. And the crazy thing is, is those, that wasn't the greatest miracles that Peter saw. I mean, Peter walked by people and his shadow healed. I would love that to happen. I will wear bigger clothes just to have a bigger shadow. Like God has miracles for your life that are set apart beyond your wildest imagination. But he's waiting for you to think covenantally. He's waiting for you to think in terms of generations. God, why haven't I seen people healed? Why haven't I feel so weak? No one's here. God's like, hey, if you'll just step out and think about those to come. Oh, then I can give you more. See, if you want to step into the next stage, you got to start thinking not like a child. You're starting to think like a mature person. Even with Abraham. He tells Abraham, leave everything and go to the land that I will show you. Just go. And Abraham just goes. And then in in right after that, he speaks to him and he says, Genesis 12, verse two, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Oh, Paul's right there. Awesome. Wouldn't you want that? But then here's what he says. He says, so that you will be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we see in the story of Abraham that God pours out ridiculous financial blessings, even ridiculous favor over Abraham's life after he shifts Abraham to think in terms of generations. There's this quote by R.T. Kendall I want to read. He said, and some of us who have been Christians for quite some time have never moved beyond just wanting to be loved, pampered, and encouraged. Some of us who have been Christians for quite some time have never moved beyond just wanting to be loved, pampered, and encouraged. How do you know if that's you? When no one pampers you or encourages you, how do you feel? When will we take, this is R.T. Kendall continuing, he says, when will we take the responsibility and begin to grow up? If we are still waiting for others to show if they care about us, we need to start caring instead. If we are waiting, still waiting for others to show if they care about us, we need to start caring instead. I grew up in a single parent household, but I also grew up in an abusive one where I was abused 15 years going through that trauma. So when I entered into the house of God, I was broken. I was scared. I was afraid. But, you know, the biggest breakthroughs weren't, weren't just when Pastor Christian would love on me, but it was when he would empower me and challenge me to love somebody else. 
I found that I experienced God and I experienced his love for me greater when I decided to love somebody else, to care about somebody else, to step out and think of someone else. Imagine the effects we have when we begin to all care. Imagine what happens when it's not just a few active leaders or a few apostolic leaders who are thinking generationally, but all of us together are thinking about what our community will look like, not just in one year or two years, but in 10 years. And we begin to live that way. It changes everything. God looks at that and he says, oh, these are people I can trust. I can trust that person with a promotion. I can trust that person with influence. I can trust that person with more. What begins to happen is the community takes on a new dynamic of power. That's what happens. The last way, he says, though I I spoke like a child, I thought like a child. He says, then I reasoned like a child. And if you think about the way that children reason, I remember the way that I used to reason. I was, I was a part, I told you I was a rapper, right? This is my first time probably confessing this publicly. I was a rapper and I was a part of this group and our name was called TMC. You're not going to find it on YouTube. You're not going to find it anywhere. We deleted it all. We were real clever, right? Our names are Tyler, Marcus, and, and, and Kashif. So TMC. We're real clever. Um, but our first, our first song that we made, we were in high school, and one of the members of our group, he was really upset because this one girl didn't, wasn't, like, uh, feeling him. When I say feeling him, I mean uh, that's slang for liking him. And so he's like, you know what? I know all this dirt about all these girls in our, in our, in our high school. Let's make a song. Now, when I was listening to that, a part of me was thinking, I didn't have the Holy Spirit at that time, but I could tell I was like, something about me was like, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, Marcus. Don't do it. You're going to regret this for the rest of your life if you do this. Don't do it. But we did it. <laughs> and so we made this CD and we, in rap form, put out all this dirt about so many people in our we almost got sued. Like, we almost got, like, beat up multiple times. And we, uh, we made about $200 from it. And I think I need to give a $200 offering to the Lord now. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus. But I made that decision according to peer pressure. I made that decision according to fear. And most children make a lot of decisions according to peer pressure and fear. And they lack discernment. But when you mature, you no longer make decisions according to peer pressure and fear. And you start to make decisions according to truth, principles, and discernment. You begin to learn how to reason and discern by the Spirit of God. In 1 Kings chapter 12, there's a story of of Solomon's son, King Rehoboam. And you can imagine Solomon is the man of wisdom. 
Solomon is the man of wisdom. Because of Solomon, they build the temple. The glory fills. The queen of Sheba comes. She's like, man, even the way you set up your table is anointed. I just love what you're doing here, Solomon. And so you would think his son, Rehoboam, would walk in the same wisdom. But as soon as he takes over, there's this instance in 1 Kings 12 where Rehoboam, is, he goes to the old men. He goes to the men who have more discernment than him. The men who walked with Solomon, who gleaned from his wisdom. And he says, what should I, what should I tell the people? And they say, listen, under Solomon, it was awesome, but the people had a really heavy load. They had a really heavy load. And so you should tell them, listen, I'm going to lighten the load for you guys. I'm going to be kind to you. I'm going to lighten the load for you. And things are going to get easier. And then Rehoboam goes to his homies. He goes to his friends. And he's like, hey, well, I heard from the old men, you know, you see what they know. But homies, what do you think? And you know what they pretty much say to him? They say, do you know who you are, Rehoboam? You are Rehoboam. You're the king. Ain't nobody like you. You know what you need to tell them, Rehoboam? It's it's my translation. (laughs) Rehoboam, you need to tell them that my pinky is thicker than your thigh. (laughs) Which is slang. (laughs) Well, you thought my dad was bad, but I'm the baddest mamma jamma there is. It's slang, mamma jamma, substitutionary word, mamma jamma. Anyways, they like, he says, listen, I'm going to make things heavier just so you know who I am. I'm going to show you. And all his homies are like, yeah, real bone. Yeah, real bone. Get it. Yeah, bone. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah. Someone make things heavier. And you know what happens? The people rebel. And Rehoboam does not last long. He lacked discernment. He was in a situation where he needed wisdom. And he had people around him who had it. But because of his fear and own insecurity, rather than going to the people who have more discernment than him, he went to those whom he knew would tell him what he wanted to hear. But in this next season of your life, you can't go to the people who are going to just tell you what you want to hear. You can't just go to the ones who are going to be like, oh, you know what, girl? You know who you is? Oh, girl, it's okay. No, you need to go to someone who's going to tell you to rise up. You need to go to someone who's going to tell you that you need to stop looking so down upon yourself. That you need to get up out of that. You need to recognize who you are in God. You need to go to those who have more wisdom than you and glean that wisdom from them. And in fact, God's already set you up to walk in wisdom in the next season. We just had a whole year of it. And what you need to understand about God is that God first gives wisdom before he gives favor. God first gives wisdom and discernment before he gives influence. God first gives wisdom before he gives you a platform because wisdom will protect your platform. He gives you wisdom before he gives you wealth because wisdom will protect your wealth. He gives you wisdom. He gives you discernment before he gives you anything else because he knows that that wisdom is what will protect your next stage. See, you can't view everything that's been preached this past year with contempt. I've heard so many people say, man, these sermons were so practical. Man, these sermons were so like, 
I have life advice. Like, man, I could just read the book. What? I want sermons about God. Have you read the epistles? Paul gives marital advice and he's not even married. The Bible was all about giving us practical wisdom because God wants to give you favor to bless all the families of the earth. But you got to go after discernment. Don't be foolish and say, well, you know what? I want to learn the hard way. (laughs) Let me just do my thing. God's already given you tons of people who have learned it the hard way. They've already paved the path for you. See, for those of you who may be new in your faith, those of you who may be new to this house, you may walk in and say, well, I don't understand. I'm not a part of all this. What you don't understand is that the way that God has set it up is for you to walk into wisdom quicker than those before you. For you to be set up to prosper quicker than those before you. For you to step into mature manhood, mature womanhood quicker than those before you. Not later. Not for you to have a prolonged adolescence, but a shortened one. You know, our generation has this prolonged adolescence, right? But with that prolonged adolescence, we also seem to have the biggest dreams and the greatest frustrations. Like, why have I not stepped into my calling? Why have I not stepped into my destiny? Why haven't I stepped into these things? Why haven't I? Why haven't I? And you see how Satan's plan was? He got you to prolong the very thing that was going to help you step into your calling. But when you begin to open your heart and say, you know what? I'm going to give up childish ways. Christ has already paved the way. He's put people before me who've already paved the way. He's set everything apart for me not to think in terms of my own self-interest, but to think in terms of generations, not just to think in terms of foolishness, but to think in terms of wisdom. You begin to realize that God has set you up to prosper and not to fail. He set you up to step into the next stage. And you know, the interesting thing is that for many of you, this next season across all our campuses is going to look radically different because it won't be the same people speaking those words of wisdom. It's going to be many of you. This next season won't be relying on Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron to give you every single word to give you your breakthrough, but it's going to be you giving a breakthrough to someone else and in that receiving your own breakthrough. This next season is going to look like you not just thinking about your own self and holding offense and frustration towards God, but as you begin to step out and give and think towards the generations to come, that's when you're going to see breakthrough in your workplace. That's when you're going to see breakthrough in your family. That's when you're going to see breakthrough in your own intimacy with God. 
So you're going to step into a greater level of confidence, security, and boldness. Because God's going to show you that he's not just with the house. He's not just with the lead pastors. But he's with you as well. He's jealous to show that to you. Let's pray together. Across all our campuses right now, I just want everyone to bow your heads at Itaewon and and Sydney as well. Just bow your heads. You know, this message actually was birthed out of two conversations. It was a conversation I had with Pastor Christian a couple months ago, about a month ago, where he was just. I was sharing with him some of my frustration, some unforgiveness I was holding on to. And he explained it to me. He said, Marcus, you know what? I think the issue here is just that you're in a different life stage. I was like, I never thought of it like that. And that put me on a journey to start. From his words, I just heard the Holy Spirit then even hinting to me, Marcus, it's time for you to move forward. It's time for you to grow. It's time for you to believe me. For more and to step into maturity and then at our staff retreat we split up where we were paired up with our uh, one other person to pray and I was paired up with Pastor Aaron and if I'm speaking frankly I was scared I didn't want to be paired up with Pastor Aaron honestly you know I was like I don't know what's about to happen and I don't know if it's going to be good for me <laughs> am I going to get slain like what's going to happen She's going to rebuke me. What's going to go on? And as I begin to share with her, I begin to share some of my fears. I begin to share my fears about being a good man, a good father, a good husband, a good spiritual father to Itaewon. And I know for many of you, that's what you got. When you think about stepping into maturity, you're filled with a lot of fear. Maybe because you have a background like mine where you didn't see it mapped out for you well. Your parents made all kinds of mistakes and maybe your dad wasn't around to model for you what it looks like to be a good man. Maybe your mom didn't model it for you. And so you just feel a whole lot of fear and trepidation. You know it's time to move forward. You know it's time to step up. You know it's time for you to go into the next stage. But there's so much fear holding you back. Because you're like, what if I fail? What if I'm just like them? Or what if I make the same mistakes? But today God wants to show you he's not set you up to fail. His plans are to prosper here. And so I want to pray for some people. If you felt like you've had that fear and it's been paralyzing as you think about 2015, as you think about the next stage of your life, you realize you're getting older. But in your mind, you still want to be the same person who graduated from college seven years ago. 
you just have all this fear about moving forward. God wants to break that fear off of you today. And he wants to give you a spirit of boldness.